Well, hello and welcome. This is Ron Cohen, tax partner at Greenstein Rogoff Olson and Company here in beautiful downtown Fremont. It is March 17th, 2021, and it is two o'clock. And again, that's important because something just happened. We're going to go through today the fact that, hallelujah, uh, the April 15th due date seems to have been extended to May 15th, for real, for real this time. Uh, uh, we'll get into how it's being reported. I'm watching the IRS website for confirmation, but uh, a number of news outlets have reported that Treasury has made up its mind. So, as I said last last week, decide already. So they decided, and that's, that's a good thing. Okay, then um, number two, we're going to talk about California still won't conform to the rules the federal uh, government has passed to allow expenses paid with PPP loans, uh, um, payroll protection plan loans to be deductible, just to have conformity. So we'll go through some of that. We'll spend a good bit of time on the American Rescue Plan Act. That's $1.9 trillion bill that uh, has been signed by the president. And um, number, uh, number four today, well, concerning the IRS, well, there's an app for that. The IRS has an app, so I refuse to put it on my iPhone. I I get enough of the IRS. I don't need to look at their app every time I look at my phone. So uh, more more coming on that. All right, well, let's go through our normal caveats. Please take no reliance on anything you hear on this podcast. We kind of uh, think about this as intellectual entertainment. In order to have an official opinion from me or my firm, you have to become a client, sign an engagement letter, give us Give us all the facts and situation uh, for us to do the research, come back to you with an opinion. But uh, we'll certainly have some fun here going through what I hope is informative information. Second, plagiarism is absolutely okay doing taxes. You're just reciting the law and the rules and the regulations. Lots of accountants and lawyers write beautiful articles. They want you to talk about it and move it around, and they want to get famous. So it's all about getting to the lowest tax liability and uh, plagiarism. There's no novels here. Plagiarism is totally okay. We try to avoid politics in this podcast. You can listen to podcasts all day and night. I do sometimes and on politics, but here we just talk about taxes and at times politics are what create various tax laws. And I'll mention uh, the political powers and pressures that created the laws on those, uh, on those issues. All right, well, here we at uh, Groco, Greenstein, Rogolf, Olson and Company. We do well, about 1,300, 1,400 tax returns a year, and we do planning, and we help people out. So we do a lot of family office work. We do everything from returns for little grandmothers up to high-tech executives and multinational corporations. Feel free to give us a call. Uh, next, I am no cheerleader for the tax law. It is an invasion of privacy. It is tedious. The flowcharts are all 50 steps long for a small item. It's intrusive. They know too much about you. But we have to respect what the, has been passed by the Congress and signed by the president. And when every time you file something with any tax authority, you have to get an A. In fact, you should get an A+. Plus. Can't get a B, can't get a C, got to get an A. So we do the best we can dealing with this uh, morass of law. We're at www.groco, that's G-R-O-C-O.com. Again, my name is Ron Cohen. 
been a partner, been involved in taxes for 40 years. Our phone number is 510-797-8661. I'm at extension 237. Feel free to call anytime. And we'll put lots of information in the show notes. So if you hear something that interests you and you want to dig deeper, uh, I try to put all the links and source documents in there. Okay, thank you. So moving on, well, the uh, the big excitement that just hit us about a couple hours ago here on the West Coast was that um, the major news outlets are announcing that the Internal Revenue Service appears ready to delay the April 15th filing deadline until mid-May, according to Bloomberg News, Washington Post, and the Wall Street Journal. Yes, indeed. And uh, so that now, hopefully in the next day here, it will be official. Uh, just for some background, I think I know what's going on, right? The uh, people at the IRS and the press department's been told, hey, they can release the information to the uh, news outlets. However, when they write up the official uh, ruling on it, and I'm looking right now at this moment at the IRS website, irs.gov, don't see anything on it yet. But, uh, you know, it's all about lawyers and accountants and laws, and and uh, they'll write up a two or three page uh, brief on, on uh, when they make the announcement, and they'll cover a number of issues, and uh, five people have to look at it and sign off on every word. Make sure all the meanings are precise. Uh, it has to cite back to some official ruling through the administrative IRS. And um, that that takes some time, even though if they know what the answer is, it's just uh, to write it up properly, maybe have some frequently asked questions to go along with the ruling, take some time. So hopefully we'll see. But uh, good news, uh, if, if April 15th was going to be a crunch or a problem, uh, you got to mid-May. I assume that means April, uh, May 15th, May 15th, because um, that's IRS custom for many procedural reasons. Due dates are always on the 15th of the month, but we'll we'll see the final ruling uh, sometime soon. And uh, reading on here a bit, this is a well, this is an article from a Cincinnati ABC outlet um, uh, by oh by Scripps National. Okay. March 17th at 2.33 p.m., that should be Eastern time, lawmakers and accountants alike have been asking the Internal Revenue Service to give Americans more time to file their 2020 taxes as many grapple with tax situations complicated by the coronavirus pandemic. The American Institute of Certified Public Accountants, yay, AICPA, uh, that's our, our uh, professional group. They do some lobbying for us, and they certainly uh, reach out to the governments, uh, tax authorities, uh, to do things that we think make sense. So the AICPA was asking for an extension for all Americans until June 15th. So it's a split the baby decision, right? It's uh, didn't get till June, didn't get to July like last year, but at least you got to May. Uh, before I read on, I'll just repeat what I said last week. You know, I think part of the pressure, well, we, we talked about how there's some real administrative problems within the Internal Revenue Service. And I think uh, they're still not finished pro processing all of 2019 returns. Uh, they are, they're suffering through their own coronavirus uh, staffing issues and people working at home. And, and a lot of pressure was coming up from that side uh, to Congress and then up through to the uh, uh, it goes to the Commissioner of Internal Revenue Service, who then goes to Secretary of Treasury. And then usually things like this, they bounce it off the White House. 
so someone made a decision. Good for them. And uh, But there's a guy in the Treasury Department, uh, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, and he's the guy. He's the number one guy. He writes the checks. And I, as I mentioned, I heard him on NPR radio, the assistant deputy treasurer in the Treasury Department. He says, okay, on Monday, I have to write checks for $800 billion for Social Security this month. And on Tuesday, I have to write check for $200 billion for the Navy. And on Wednesday, I have to write check for $100 billion for the Army for their pay. And then on Thursday, I have to write a check for $20 million for the Forest Service. The Forest Service always gets the lowest amount. And uh, he's the guy, right? He's he's watching it. And he says, I have to make sure I have legal authority to write the checks, uh, that there's enough money. And I think that guy and his staff has been saying, well, don't go to July. Uh, we need the money, right? You can't put it off. And so, uh, uh, because if as expected, the uh, the ruling says that not only do you get an extension to file in May till May, but you also get an extent, automatic extension to pay until May 15th. So this will hit the government's cash flow. In the end, over a period of time, it's all the same, right? It's just a little bit of a deferral. But, um, you know, we'll see what it works out. And then estimated tax payments. If you uh, are not on withholding at work, your first quarter estimated tax payment was normally due on April 15th. Well, it's Looks like we don't know. We'll see the ruling that they'll be deferring those also. And there are a number of other things uh, more uh, technical I won't get into and, uh, per, and some payroll tax issues I won't get into here, but it's going to slow it down. So the guy who's writing those checks every day in the Treasury Department, he's got to take into account uh, there isn't as much money as there was. And then the Treasury has to go out and maybe float some Treasury bonds to carry them through. And that's a whole nother thing and a whole nother issue, but um, I'm sure all that's spinning around as they try to work all this out. Okay, uh, there's been no official announcement from the Internal Revenue Service about the delay in the tax filing deadline. And also, I wanted to mention uh, here, we're, we're in the great state of California. Um, so the first question we would ask is, well, will California conform? Say, well, if the federal deadline's been extended, the California deadline is extended. I haven't done any research on it in the last hour here, but what what the, the emergency ruling that uh, Governor Gavin Newsom and his administration made back last year, they put out pretty clear language that said whatever the federal government extends, we extend uh, automatically. Just because the, and there's a really good pragmatic reason is if the two deadlines were different, uh, um, uh, this this would be incredibly difficult, right? You can't even file your state return until your federal return is done because most of the numbers and calculations come from the federal return. So um, we'll see. Uh, this Hopefully this will all be made clear to us in the coming days here. Okay, um, the IRS was already running behind this year. Early this year, they announced they wouldn't be begin accepting or processing 2020 tax returns until February 12th. And as I mentioned, you know, there are a lot of years I remember people filing on February, I'm sorry, January 10th, right? The minute they got their W-2, they they put in that return. Maybe they had a refund coming or some other reason to file. Well, IRS said, well, you can send it in, but we're not going to look at it. And uh, uh, this year it was all the way to February 12th. So there is uh, there. this is more than two weeks later than last year. And last year was slow, too. The agency said they need more time to program its systems 
to reflect new tax rules, right? You know, you, you they pass a new law in Congress, uh, it's not a piece of cake. They got to sit down to to write a tax form and to get all those lines right and divide by this and multiply by two and rub the back of your head and scratch your ear and, you know, to get those forms to work out and, and then work through the computer right and then uh, cross-reference to other forms and flow right. Uh, that is That is quite an undertaking. So it just takes a lot of time and debugging and and process. The IRS rushed to send out stimulus checks to millions of Americans in the last week. As of Wednesday morning, the agency says they have sent out 90 million stimulus payments. The deadline was already delayed for residents and business owners in Texas and other states included in FEMA's emergency declaration last month because of the bad weather and the utility problem they had there for no power for a while. Uh, those residents and businesses have until June 15th to file their 2020 taxes. Very common when there's hurricanes or tornadoes or some other upheaval for the, the service to give uh, an emergency delay. So there you have it. Uh, we've been, many people have been asking about it. Uh, certainly uh, this is critical to how my CPA firm runs. <laughs> uh, we can do some things a little faster, a little slower, given that we have a little wiggle room now with the tax deadline. And um, that's good that they clarified it, clarified, clarified. Just don't keep us guessing. There's millions and millions of people all trying to figure out what they uh, want to do or can do or need to do. Uh, a lot of people, they just want to file right away because they want to be done with it. And they have all their paperwork together and they should file. Please file. Let's get it done. Uh, other people uh, want to file on the last minute of the last day and pay at the last minute of the last day. So now it appears you got two, month, two months more. All right, so that's, uh, that is that issue. Now, moving on to the California won't conform. We have Assembly Bill 80 in the Sacramento here, the state capitol. I'm referring to um, discussion here by Spidel, which is a tax reporting service, credit to them. And the background on this was, as we talked about that, the, the Payroll protection loans, uh, I won't go through the whole thing um, that I did in the prior episodes, but uh, there was a big upheaval about being able to deduct um, deduct um, amounts that were paid for with borrowed money that will be forgiven. So you borrow the money, it's forgiven, that's not taxable income. And the long-term tax theory has been if you have income that's not taxable, if you spend it on a deductible item, you shouldn't be able to deduct it because if the income is an income, then the deduction shouldn't be deductible. Otherwise, the government is subsidizing your activities twice, once by giving you the money for free and second by allowing you to, uh, 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 I'm sorry, if the deduction is deductible, <laughs> then it's a double dip because the income you received is tax-free. And then if you deduct it, uh, what you pay with those funds on a deductible expense, you um, uh, uh, get another tax benefit. Well, the congressmen and senators said, no, no, that's exactly what we wanted. And in one of the COVID bills, they clarified that. And so um, on your federal return, it is clear that you can deduct all the expenses paid for with your PPP loan. But California, as it often is, said, well, wait a minute, we're not sure how we're going to conform or if we're going to conform. In other words, not allow a deduction. So then they came back and said, well, we'll allow a deduction 
if your um, if your PPP loans were under one hundred and fifty thousand, I believe, which I don't like because you know just conform. It's all the same. Uh, instead, California, as it often does, without getting too political, it uh, it starts to carve things out and say, you know, if you're too successful, you don't get something that other people get. Well, okay, I'll leave that that. So now they're in a dilemma because in the uh, American Rescue Plan Act, uh, part of that act was, okay, they got, the states got tens and hundreds of billions of dollars of aid. And one of, in getting there, I think this had something to do with Senator Manchin of West Virginia, in getting there, getting to that negotiated settlement between the Republicans and the Democrats, they said, all right, well, uh, uh, we're, we don't like giving the states this money. I'm just citing some of the Republican view. I'm not saying it's right. We don't like this. So, uh, okay, you're going to get the money because we're going to lose on this issue. But at least we have to put in there that the states now can't cut their taxes. So in essence, the federal money coming to the state goes right back out of the state and gets refunded to the um, the taxpayers. Uh, uh, because, because if you're saying you really need the money to run the state government or the state pensions, all right, uh, then use the money for that. Don't cut taxes and now essentially synthetically take a grant from the federal government to reduce your state taxes. Uh, um, uh, they didn't, they, they, there was a prohibition against that. So uh, it turned out that uh, the problem with AB 80 in California, I'll just read it. At issue is a provision in the American Rescue Plan Act that bans states who are receiving additional funding through the act from using these funds to enact a state income tax cut. What this prohibition encompasses is wide open question to interpretation, and the governor of California and the legislature in California are waiting for guidance to see if AB 80 can be actually enacted. That being, would get, get, would allowing businesses to take a tax deduction for the for the expenses they paid with PPP forgivable loans is that a tax cut? Because now they waited so long and the the uh, American Rescue Plan Act is now passed with that provision. What is common sense? That being that the federal government rule and the state rule should conform so you don't have a bunch of differences. You have to track, treat differently on different returns. Now, is a, um, a tax cut, excuse me, a tax cut subject to this federal uh, uh, prohibition. What a what a loop of of theories, right? What a loop, and so the problem is, I see as a practitioner here is, well, but businesses were filing their California tax returns now. Businesses who have gotten their PPP loans. So uh, at this moment, at this very moment, in March 17, it would seem to be illegal and inappropriate to deduct the expenses you paid for with PPP borrowed to be forgiven funds. Uh, but then, so you file your return because you need to file your return whenever you need to file it. Uh, partnerships were due on March 15th. Um, there may have been a state difference in the due date, but I think that was also March 15th. Um, and um, so you're, you're, you're setting up many, many people for having to file an amended return uh, if ultimately there isn't conformity. And that's really, that's just really bad. I mean, that's just bad tax administration. Uh, you know, people are just trying to run their lives and run their businesses 
they don't have time to sit around and try to understand how many angel, angels are dancing on a head of a pin, right, to uh, figure out this. But but you could actually be making a very bad mistake on your return if you deduct all your expenses on the PPP loan for California, because at this moment that law has not been passed, even if you were below 150000 uh, Bad, 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 bad. The trap for the unwary, uh, terrible way to run a state. And um, I hope they resolve it. Soon, So we'll keep you posted with any further developments. Uh, perhaps if you're in the process of filing a return for an entity or for your for your own, you know, sole proprietorship, they got a PPP loan that's in your personal return, you know, double check before you file it, see if this issue has been resolved. Otherwise, you're setting yourself up for an amended return if it doesn't end up the way you guess. All right. Uh, so there's uh, we have in the show notes the link. To, um, to that controversy. Moving on here to the uh, more details on the American Rescue Plan Act. I covered some of it last week. I, I apologize up front. Some of this gets a bit technical, but uh, who knows what you may have going on in your life. So I'm going to cover the big, the big items, uh, at least in concept. And again, feel free. You can look it up yourself. You can call us. Uh, there's plenty of the uh, information out there and so here we go. So um, uh, there is a $10,200 per individual unemployment insurance exclusion, meaning it's not taxable for taxable year 2020. You know, unemployment insurance compensation is normally taxable. But they said, well, if you're unemployed, it's, you're having a rough time. Let's not do that. But, it, but there's a phase out. It only applies if your AGI, adjusted gross income, is $150,000 or less. So again, you know, let's pick winners and losers, but okay, uh, it's better that, that that will that will take care of most people. Taxpayers who have already filed returns reporting 100% of their unemployment uh, compensation as income will need to supersede or amend their returns to get a refund. So that's that's the pain. That's uh, and the problem. Uh, I'll embellish this to say, uh, one, amended returns are not that easy to do. I often tell clients, you know, the amended return can often Unless it's a very simple, straightforward issue, many returns can take double the time of the original return. It's just the way you have to explain things and the way the forms work and so forth. And then the problem is you put it in and uh, the federal government will not give your money to you for at least four months. You won't even hear from them. And uh, California, I've had people wait a year for a refund on an amended return. And they only succeeded to get that money after making several phone calls. So amended returns... You don't want to be there. You want to avoid them at all costs. Amended returns also, the, the, the tax authority gets to look at your return another time and think maybe there's something else in there that they want to audit and try to offset the refund you're asking for. So you don't want to amend returns. But uh, sadly, they're setting people up for this, um, uh, for people who filed their returns early, Pay tax on all their unemployment insurance, only now to find out up to 10200 of it isn't taxable. All right, a third round of economic income payments up to $1,400 per individual and dependents, uh, including dependents over age 17. Uh, there's uh, some phase outs in that. We went through that before. You can find information on that everywhere on how that works. An extension of pandemic unemployment assistance until September 6th. With the $300 boost, that's uh, you get what the state gives you, plus you get 
some unemployment from the IRS or federal government, increased and fully refundable child tax credits and dependent care assistance credits for 2021 taxable year. They're increasing the credits they gave out for kids. Um, an increased employer-provided dependent care assistance exclusion. And again, my caveat, my overall statement is if you're an employer, talk to your payroll company. They know all about these uh, the credits and exclusions and so forth. And uh, because most of those are claimed on your 941 payroll tax turn, not your income tax turn. So talk to your payroll company. They have a whole SWAT team of people and all the spreadsheets and computations ready to do, ready to use to help you. Okay, a five-year uh, COD exclusion, uh, uh, cancellation of indebtedness income exclusion on student loan forgiveness. Uh, a long story. Uh, most people don't have to worry about this because they were, they were not solvent with the student loan. But if you were, um, um, good news, none of your forgiveness is going to be treated as income, which it normally is uh, in a lot of cases. Okay, an expansion and increase of the in earned income tax credit. So that is, uh, you know, a subsidy paid out on your income tax return if your income is at the lower end. Um, tax relief for excess advanced premium tax credits received in 2020 and an increase in the premium tax credit for 2021 and 2022. All right, now this this is uh, this is a big deal because a lot of people go in, they sign up for uh, the uh, ACA, um, I call it Obamacare, uh, and they sign up and they say, my income this year is going to be X. And when you do that, they say, all right, then your your premium is, is Y, but you get to subtract from Y, W. So your net premium is Y minus W. But they say, please, you got to let us know if your income goes up, because if your income goes up, the credit goes down. And you could end up giving back the credit on your income tax as additional tax. That's the premium tax credit. Well, a lot of people got caught up in this as they go up and sign up for Obamacare. Things are not going well. Uh, uh, they need the insurance through the exchange. Um, and then for whatever reason, they didn't understand their income. Uh, and their income either goes up or they have stock trades or something that falls into this computation. Long story short, they file their tax return, and um, without getting into too many specifics, you got a $20,000 credit to help you pay for health insurance during the year. And then you do the math, and you find out you're only entitled to $10,000. So on your tax return, you owe the government the other $10,000. This is going to be a tragic, tragic situation. And it looks like they are um, making that go away, which uh, uh, is very, very helpful to a lot of people. Six months of free COBRA benefits. So that's seeing it. Six months of uh, free health insurance if you leave your job. If you're leaving your job, uh, the HR department should be talking to you about COBRA benefits, the continuation of your health insurance. And uh, it's good to know that that, which is a form of compensation, will be treated as free for six months. Okay, some more business provisions. Extension and expansion of the employee retention credit. Please talk to your payroll department uh, service provider, make sure you're claiming all your employee retention credits. Uh, extension expansion of employer credits for sick and family leave benefits, or where you were paying people who were sick uh, uh, due to COVID or helping someone with COVID or whatever. There's other reasons people can have family leave. 
the employer gets a credit because you continue to pay the the employee. That's great. Um, yeah, credits for providing subsidized COBRA benefits. Again, another another thing. If you kept their health insurance in place, even though they weren't working, restaurant revitalization grants to cover restaurant business losses. So this is something I have a number of clients in the restaurant business. I'm going to look into and make sure we claim everything we can. So uh, we have uh, in the show notes, the link to the full bill. If uh, you have the interest, I think it's uh, several thousand pages, uh, a real snore. You'll probably put yourself to sleep, but uh, nerd like me, I intend to, I kind of like to read some of those uh, technical provisions. All right. So continuing on. Um, uh, so um, there, there's a, a provision in here lowering the reporting threshold for third-party settlement organizations. Now, well, first of all, what's a third-party settlement org- organization? Well, that's eBay and uh, Amazon and uh, Apple Store and so forth. And the question was, uh, what, what could, what could what kind of business could you do through those people and not have that facilitator report your income to the IRS, kind of like a 1099 thing. So the legislation would reduce the reporting threshold of third-party settlement organizations from $20,000 and 200 transactions per payee under the current law to $600 without regard to the number of transactions. Well, that's a huge decrease. Now, we always come at it from the point of view that you always should be paying your taxes on all your income. So this really wouldn't matter if you were paying your taxes and all your income because you're reporting the right amount of income anyway. But believe it or not, some people don't. And that's exactly why they're reporting. They're requiring the third party settlement organization to report to the IRS and to the people that got paid anything over $600, which is right in line with the 1099 requirements uh, for interest and dividends and independent contractors and 1099 NEC this year. Effective calendar year quarters beginning with December 31, 2021. All right. Uh, a separate provision clarifying that the reporting requirement does not apply to transactions that are not for goods and services is effective for tra- transactions after the date of enactment. So that they're really after goods and services, which I guess that's pretty much all you're gonna all you're gonna buy on eBay. <laughs> but uh, that's not, and so intangibles. It doesn't affect intangibles. Uh, the most uh, common example of a third-party settlement organization is online auction payment facilitator, which operates as only an intermediary between the buyer and seller by transferring funds between the accounts and settlement of the auction purchase. And we'll put the IRS definition there in a link, and you can read all about that. Okay, so last week we talked about the excess business loss limitation rule, which they've waived for a while. and um, Getting on to uh, more business incentives here. Um, I wanted to go through, um, excuse me for delay here. Okay, increase in the amount of wages for which an employer may claim family leave. We talked about that. Expand the list of reasons that the employer may provide family leave. That's nice of them. Uh, Allow employers to claim the paid sick leave and family leave credits for leave taken to obtain COVID vaccine. Right. So, hey, I got. I got to take a few hours off. I got to go get my shot uh, or recover from injury, disability, illness, or conditions related to COVID-19. So these are definitional items. Uh, allowing reimbursement of pension plan and apprenticeship program contributions 
blah, blah, blah. You can look that up if that applies to you. Clarify that qualified sick leave wages do not include wages taken into account as payroll costs under the Small Business Administration Program. That's uh, fairly technical. Again, I apologize for getting very granular here. Uh, prohibits employers from claiming credits if sick leave policy discriminates in favor of highly compensated employees, full-time employees, or based on employees' length of service. See, what, what they figured out was somebody could game the system and get a benefit if more of the benefits were for the top people in the company, the highly compensated employees. So they were trying to close a loophole there. All right. Um, and I will just continue on here. Okay. Uh, tax treatment of grants and loan proceeds. The legislation, I will read this slowly because it's important to a lot of people. The legislation provides that economic injury disaster loans, known as EIDL grants and restaurant revitalization grants, would be exempt from tax. Okay, that's good. I think uh, people had that impression um, when they went into them. Uh, maybe not. I can't remember the list. Some were going to be forgiven, some were not. But they clarified that those two bits are now tax-free. These exclusions would not result in the denial of business deductions, a deduction of tax. I, those are technical items. But this is the same as the PPP loan. If you got the money, then the money's tax-free, and it's going to be forgiven, and then you spend money, spend uh, that money you receive on deductible items, they are clarifying right up front, you still get the deduction. So you get a double benefit. The money that came to you is tax-free, and the money you spend it on is deductible, uh, and that's a beautiful thing. Uh, and that is against prior tax policy, but we are in dire, uh, odd times right now with the pandemic. Okay. So moving on here, we talked enough about um, the um, uh, $1,400 to people. We talked enough about child tax credits. All right, a notable change from current law, the bill would direct the Treasury Department to pay the credit to taxpayers in advance. So this is a child tax credit uh, based on 2019 and 2020 tax return information in equal installments on a periodic basis. Treasury would determine the interval that is administratively feasible. The advance installment payment would begin on July 1, 2021, and would cover 50% of the credit amount which the taxpayers entitled for 2021. The remaining credit would be claimed on the taxpayers' 2021 tax return. So this is the child tax credit. If you have a child, uh, they're under 17. It's like uh, $3,000. A, um, a person, and so they're trying to push it out, push it out, get it into the economy, get it into people's hands. And uh, it's very rare that the IRS and the government uh, will write you a check, but their view is, well, you're entitled to it. Let's um, not wait till you file your tax return to claim the benefit. Let's write your checks right now for at least 50%. Let's make that immediately, make that in advance. Uh, doesn't happen too often. Uh, but that's what they're trying to do. Stimulate the economy. Get the money out there. Okay, there's some earned income tax credit enhancements I mentioned before, making it so that you get more money. And earned income tax credit is like uh, even if you don't owe any tax, you can get refunds because it's it's kind of a payout. It's kind of a federal level subsidy payment. And um, you can look at that if that affects you. 
Um, and so moving on here, we talked about a lot of these things are repeating. I apologize. Oh, funding multi-employer plans. So, so um, as you may have noticed, a lot of pension plans are in big trouble, big trouble, right? People are getting older. They're entitled to a lot of benefits. And uh, for whatever reason, the pension plan wasn't fully funded. And I know a lot of elderly people. This is the one. This is one of the things that keep you up at night. Uh, I was promised this pension. I was promised to get two thousand dollars a month. I worked hard. I played by the rules. And especially like the employees of United Airlines, they woke up one day and like forty percent of their pension was cut after United declared bankruptcy. Well, um, this bill is intended to. I'll just read it. The American Rescue Plan includes provisions intended to stabilize financially troubled multi-employer pension plans and single-employer plans. It would expand special funding rules available to certain community newspaper plans. Okay, well, I'm really happy to hear about this because my wife worked for the Mercury News for a long number of years, uh, accumulated pension. And then uh, it's, uh, it's uh, public information, McClatchy, which uh, ended up uh, acquiring the Mercury News. Uh, basically was put in the bankruptcy because they couldn't fund their pension plan. Uh, um, while we understand that my wife's pension is going to be fine because it wasn't one of the big pensions in the company, uh, we're waiting for the uh, PCGB, I'm sorry, PBGC, the Pension Benefit Guaranteed Corporation, which is like the FDIC for pensions. The problem is the PBGC is way underfunded. If a lot of pensions got into trouble all of a sudden at once, uh, those, uh, the PBGC would immediately go bankrupt. So uh, there's a lot of actuaries and people who think about these things. And they went to Congress and said, look, we don't got enough money. And uh, for the liabilities we've taken on for our bankrupt companies that have handed off to us their pension plans. So the bill would create a special assistance program that would allow the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation to make direct cash payments to certain underfunded multi-employer pension plans to ensure that they can remain solvent and continue to pay benefits to retirees. Uh, PG, PBGC would make the payments using amounts transferred from the Treasury General Fund. All right, well, so that's a good thing. I, um, I, uh, I have a point of view that, uh, well, if the pension hadn't been mismanaged, it wouldn't require a government payout, uh, bailout. But here you are, and you don't want anybody to be hurt. So I guess it's a good thing, but um, it's 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 taking from people who did nothing wrong and bailing out pension plans who obviously weren't managed right. But the people who are entitled to the pension, they did nothing wrong. The manager of the, of the pension or the company that ran the pension did something wrong. Of course, they declared bankruptcy. Uh, they're never going to get indicted or go to jail. So Big Brother comes and bails them out. Well. Again, you can decide uh, whether that's good or bad, but I, I certainly believe, <laughs> my wife included, right, um, she should get what she's entitled to, even if her company that she worked for for 17 years failed. Oh, boy. Eligible plans would include plans in critical and declining status and plans that are significantly underfunded and have retirees, uh, have more retirees than active workers in any plan beginning, blah, blah. You know, it all gets really technical. Um, but they're bailing out the pension plans. That's the... That's the upshot of all this. Okay, so I want to uh, cite that this, I'm reading a good bit here from Deloitte, uh, who does, uh, you know, they have a staff of 30 people, I'm sure, in New York and Washington to write these beautiful summaries. We'll put the uh, 
links to them in the show notes. And uh, there you go. That's a, that's a good summary um, of, of, of the bill in terms of tax provisions. Now, there were hundreds of what I, you know, the, I call the bill a Christmas tree bill, right? It's got these big branches and everybody gets a present. I didn't make that up. That's a long, old political uh, way of describing certain bills. Everybody gets a present on this Christmas tree. And that's why they get all the votes they need to get it through. Uh, they said it was for COVID. Essentially, about 9 or 10% of it was directly for COVID. As I explained before, the political view was, yes, but now we need to stimulate the economy. Okay, right? I'm not judging. Sort of am. <laughs> and uh, 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 But everybody gets a gift under the Christmas tree. And uh, you can decide whether you think the gifts were uh, necessary, moral, right, uh, for the $1.9 trillion of debt that will be, there's no money, so it's all borrowed in the bond markets and treasury auctions, and uh, our great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren will be uh, re refinancing those debts because there's no money to pay them off in this century or the next one, and um, the interest will just gallop along, becoming much more than the original borrowing, and I could do a whole show on net federal debt, but uh, there, there you go with that. All right. So, so beyond the tax items I mentioned, uh, there's a whole set of uh, Christmas tree gifts for all kinds of reasons. Uh, those are highly political discussions of whether they're good, relevant, right, wrong, and uh, once again, leave it to you. So, um, hope that was helpful. And so, we'll just uh, end up uh, mentioning that if you wake up in the morning and you look at your iPhone. And the first thing you want to do is say, I wonder what the Internal Revenue Service is doing today. What, what new rule might they be right? Can I check on my refund for the 12th time in six hours, uh, even though they told me it's on the way? But I just want to make sure it's still on the way. And there's some other functions on the app. Well, there's an app for that. And you can go to irs to go uh, First, you go to irs.gov, which is their monster website with thousands of pages, but you can sign up and I guess you can go to the Apple store. I haven't tried it. Try it yourself. Go to the Apple store. I'm sure it's there for free. IRS to go. And uh, what, what tends to happen is millions and millions of people, when they know they have a refund coming, they want to check. Where's my refund? Where's my refund? And uh, then they get the refund, the returns filed, there's no problems. And that's it. They don't want to hear about the IRS because in, in life, right, there's death and taxes and you want to avoid both. And so the last thing you want to do is remind yourself that there even is an IRS for most of the year. And uh, uh, But if you want to have an IRS app on your iPhone, you can. You can check the status of refunds, make a payment. You can make a payment. That's pretty cool. Find a free tax preparation assistance at the low end if your becomes pretty low. I think, well, you know, I think it's below 40,000, 50,000. You can file your returns for free at the IRS. Uh, the state of California has similar programs. Sign up for help, helpful tax ticks, ticks, sign up for helpful tax tips and more. Right. I ain't going there. I don't know. I don't want to know what more is. I see enough of the IRS. So there you go. You got your IRS app. So here we are again on March 17th. Lots going on. It looks like the IRS due date has been extended to May 15th. All the particulars of it are, are we hope, coming out soon. Again, I am Ron Cohen. I am a tax partner here at Greenstein, Rogoff, Olson & Company in beautiful downtown Fremont, California. We're about 
12 miles north of San Jose and 35 miles a bit uh, south of uh, San Francisco. Our phone number is 510-797-8661, extension 237. Don't worry if you didn't write it down. It'll be in the show notes. And I appreciate your attention, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.